Welcome to FitStory TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. I am your host, Matthew Burbridge, with my co-host, Perry Power, and we are on a mission to change the way people see fitness one story at a time. If this is your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe right now so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Ready. Good. Born ready. Good. Good. Yo, what is going on, FitStory fam? Matthew Burbridge here. And I'm with my co-host, Perry Power, man of the hour. Brother, what is going on? What is going on? Very well. The sun is shining today in, uh, in England. Lovely nature walks this morning. I know you did the same, Matt. And if, if any of you are, mm. oh, see, by the time this goes out, people aren't actually going to be able to see it. But you did something hilarious in your Instagram stories. Did you tell them mm. about your daughter? Mm. Bloody hilarious. Bad parenting, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no nah, it was it was it was funny but look i'll save that one i might repost it basically i asked my daughter what she thought of the coronavirus because this i don't know you know you've got kids right um and kerry i'm yeah. addressing right now which is by the way our guest which we will get into in a bit after this intro i guess but have you have you like how have you gone around having that conversation with the kids have you have you noticed like have you had to say something yeah, to them it's like really weird for like we we know you see your friend over there, but you you have to just wave. You can't run up and play with them. Like so, you just keep them in the backyard, fenced in. Like mm. they're like in a big dog cage. So, so my ex husband told me that they're getting kind of bored with the backyard, and so now they're. It is odd. Weird. I mean, it's strange because we live quite close to my partner's mum and dad, and you know, like we, we like we went down their road yesterday on a little a bike ride, and and you know my daughter sees her pops and uh, he's at the front door and she's like, goes to run to him. And we're like, Millie Grace, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> yeah. And kids are just like, what? <laughs> yeah, they just don't get it. So that's been interesting, trying to have that conversation with my daughter for sure. But I asked her anyway, what she thought of the coronavirus. And, uh, and, and this is whilst we, I was taking a nice picture of her by the lake and she just looked at me and she, uh, honestly, she, give the birdie she put her middle finger up that was her response to me <laughs> asking that question and uh and i was like damn like obviously we we don't you know i, I need to get a photo of that now so that's what perry was referring to i had to okay. ask her again took a photo of it um just a display of my awful parenting right i'm gonna get so much, <laughs> gonna get so much hate for that now you know i was cracking up so much Oh man. But dude, yo, things have changed. I mean, it's been like a week since we put out episode 33, I think it was. Uh stay the fuck at home episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and things have changed. On. So mad, man. It's already changed so much. So talking of like perspective shifts, bro, what has what has changed for you like personally? Have you got anything that has come to light in this moment? Um well, I don't know if it's an interesting one. Apart from the facts how all the numbers are increasing, now, as of today, Boris Johnson, our actual prime minister, now has coronavirus. Um, so it's the equivalent of, for example, Donald Trump getting the coronavirus, you know, in regards to power. Yeah. Wow. Um, nobody I, is immune. <laughs> nobody. It's, the, it's, yeah. it's literally the case. But I, this I, virus um, don't give a fuck. This it virus doesn't, doesn't It would just take on anyone. Indiscriminate. <laughs> I could just take on anyone and uh but for me this past week I um have found quote unquote have found spirituality and the path of being spiritual and the path of the conscious mind and the unconscious mind and sitting in the seat yourself and I am now fascinated absolutely fascinated about that world and, and everything that goes into it and transcendent uh, meditation and um I'm fascinated by all of that, and I've happened to find that over the last week. And I don't know if that's because, quote unquote, we think we have more time, or it just the universe happens just to line those up, and it's happened now. But I'm just fascinated by that. So that's probably the biggest thing that's you, happened to me. You would have been seeking it in some way, shape, or form. I, I think so. That's, that led up, me man. to it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you obviously have put out some type of energy for that to mm. come in path. So mm. that's what I believe anyway. Nothing's yeah. random. Nothing's coincidence. Uh, what about you, Kerry? Before we actually get into <laughs> just like enjoying just talking today, uh, 
yeah. what about you what kind of like perspective shifts have you taken from just this last week like this last seven days i mean things are moving so rapidly right yeah um well it's interesting to me to see the consciousness collect like the collective consciousness move through messaging everyone starts processing then everyone starts accepting and surrendering and then what does that look like and so from an observational standpoint as a leader but also someone that's going through it and chose to self-isolate from her kids for two weeks. You know, I have, uh, I can, I can see both perspectives, right. In a way. And then I also see, um, where people consciously make a choice to feed fear or love. Mm. Right. But it's kind of like finding the pH balance of neutrality. And I think that's kind of what Perry was talking about where you can like observe self, which is a neutral place of being. And, um, you know, you're not like in denial of what's going on, but you're not in panic either. Mm -hmm. You're aware. Very interesting um, to see Mm. the consciousness move through messaging and how people receive things and respond. And what's made you um, self-isolate from your kids then? I had a combination of strange symptoms. It felt like allergies with chest tightness and I had a low temperature. I had like 12 days of a low temperature. Mm. Okay. So you would like, never know. You may, you may have already had it. Well, I probably did when I had the flu that they never tested for like six weeks ago. I mean, I was really, really sick. Yeah. Shit, you might have already had it. Probably. Just cr- <laughs> <is> scary. <laughs> million cases now. Is what? Over, over half a million cases. Oh, there is, yeah. In total, in total, yeah. And and the, and the death rate is over like sixteen percent now total. You know, I wouldn't know sure. the specific figure, um, but you know what? Whilst I'm on this podcast, I will dive into that information. <laughs> go on my uh, phone and have a look. Yeah, five hundred and fifty-two thousand nine hundred and forty-three corona cases. 25,045 deaths. Mm. That is crazy. Yeah. Guys, we are we are li- like legit in the middle of a pandemic. And this is this is the thing. I think whilst it's like really bad because it is really bad. At the same time I've been looking at, you know, my own perspective shifts and I guess one that I've had is about, you know, how important it is to to just live today like in the present like now because and i think this has come from looking at this big picture right so i was thinking about this yesterday day before it's been on my mind a few days now and i was thinking about this this pandemic and how this is going to sound so fucked up but how crazy it is that our generation get to experience this and that is the gift Mm-hmm. although it may be right now disguised as pain and you know negativity and and death and horror and all this all this stuff but it's actually a gift i think that it's a gift we get to experience it there's not the generation before the generation before the generations before they didn't get to experience this and i know that when this goes down in the history books like that's bigger than me that's bigger than you that's bigger than us that's something that as a fucking humankind we've all experienced at the same time a global adversity on this scale and i just think that that's so powerful and it's so big and it made me like think about today like this is like i'm in the moment like today you know that's some perspective so it's been interesting too like um like you said being present but realizing like what a beautiful world we live in i mean you know, someone, a friend of mine posted this video of her in Paris. And I just thought, what a beautiful world like that we live in, that we had all these things. And, you know, are we flattening the curve of the virus or are we flattening the curve of diversity? Mm. You know, because like you said, the virus doesn't discriminate. We are all one. We're all one. The world has just stood still. We all have no choice. We all, what curve are we flattening? You know? So to me, that's really, really interesting. That's powerful. I I like that. I think it's a gift as well. There's the stuff that's going to come out of this, I feel, will just be super positive. I think that people will look at e- each other differently. Or, or at least I hope. Okay, let me, re- let me hope, just start yeah. that again. I hope. And the reason I'm saying I hope is because slowly before this, I was losing my personal fucking faith in humanity. 
that's the truth i really was you know we, we look on the internet some days and we see you know someone i said the other day about someone you remember when arnold schwarzenegger got drop kicked at that high school and it's like these people and people now in the middle of this pandemic these fucking idiot degenerates licking hand sanitizers in shops and i'm like damn like there's so much of that to see and and this is not seriously before all of this i was i was before all of this i was honestly losing faith in humanity i was like looking at the world in in a in a, for a different lens i was like damn there's like put me in a fucking rocket ship now cryogenically freeze me send Pay me the 5k up. mate <laughs> yeah like <laughs> don't fucking unfreeze me for a little while right but but now all this has happened like i i, I get i'm seeing it just from a different lens and it is a gift and and the fact that like i said none of us have seen this type of global adversity before it's going to shift things i really do believe that and again i'm optimistic that after all of this we're going to look at each other differently we're going to look at our relationships differently we're going to look at you know the, the the way we see how much control we have of our lives because it's actually in terms of the external stuff that we have you know the the, the materials like what the fuck is that? What's a house? Yeah. What's a car? What significance the power, does these things really have? Yeah. And the power of connection being really the ultimate currency. I will never mm. take a hug for granted again, or a high five, or a handshake, or the ability to have a group of friends over and just laugh until we're crying. Like, I will never again look at those things the same. Yeah. It's because it's so easy to take that those things for for like many things I guess for granted, but those everyday um, situations and activities of shaking somebody's hand, of hugging somebody, of having a friends friends over because you can just do it by the click of the fingers. You take it for granted, and now something which nobody could have even planned has now come along that has taken those things away from us. I was watching a video this morning from an um, an acting teacher that I follow called Anthony Mindel. And he was talking about being present in the moment. And lots of people are like, oh, yeah, just be present in the moment. Last time, it's just verbal. They don't actually, they're not actually understanding the actual concept of being present in the moment. They're sick. It sounds sexy. And they'll be present in the moment right now. But then talk to them five minutes later, they're not present in the moment anymore. And um, he was saying about how a simple handshake, when you're, when you're shaking somebody's hand, nothing in the entire world should exist apart from that single moment. And I think that that is going to be on uh, a lot of people's minds when we come out the other side of this, of being present in the moment for every single human interaction. I know, especially for me, that's going to be the case. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're going to value that so much more. And like I say, see significance in our own lives and just being here today in the moment in it, it more, you know? Mm. So it's crazy. I mean, so I, I remember when we were taking a walk this morning, we stopped by someone who knows my partner. She like used to cut her hair. And this lady was like complaining, you know, she was like, Oh, three weeks. Apparently I won't be off of work. Oh, it could be longer than, and she was like really downbeat about it all. And, and she was like, how are you guys doing? And then I come along and I swoop in the conversation, like a fucking coach in the DMS, like bam, straight away. <laughs> I'm like throwing all this positive stuff down her throat. I'm like, Hey, do you know what? I actually think it's going to be great for humankind. Like this is what I'm like, she didn't even know where to look. <laughs> Mate, I was, but this is the thing. I was watching the news yesterday, and I was like, "What? What? What are you doing?" Yeah, they, they, this dad with his three kids was on the news because he lives in a tower block in London, and he's on one of the high uh, high floors. And he was complaining that the rules now they can only go out for an hour. And he's saying, "Yeah, we're in our flat twenty three hours. We can only come out for an hour to spend with my kids. What else are we meant to do?" I'm like, "Bro, do you not understand?" That, that rule was there for a particular reason and you're complaining about that. If you're complaining about something that's meant to try and save your life, fuck me, I don't want to be in your life. You're going to be complaining about absolutely everything. No hope. So they better leave some space on that spaceship where we're going to get cryogenically frozen because it sounds to me like Perry Powell wants to come up too. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like there's so many things that are fucked up about life, but there's also so many things that are beautiful. Absolutely and I feel beautiful. like this is, yeah. this is, this is, this pandemic is really bringing that to the surface for so many people anyway mm. wow that was a different type of intro than we've ever done before kerry ford what's up how are you doing elevate yeah. all the way from elevate with kerry right so yeah. yo keeping it brief like 
because there'd be some people that know who you are from our audience, other people that, that don't. So kind of if we were to keep it brief, tell people a little bit about what you do and, and who you help. Totally. Um, I help women elevate every area of their life, but usually it's in the vehicle of fitness and nutrition, right? So uh, we, we find the places within them that want to come from a place of love, that want to be loved. And we heal relationships with food. We identify behavioral patterns and the places that they feel stuck. Because um, it's never really about, you know, not getting to the gym. It's about why aren't you getting to the gym? What's really going on? So, yeah, healing, healing relationship with self. Do you know what I really love about it is um, I think that, and this is, again, part of our brand and kind of why we exist. It's, it's about helping people really understand how significant health and fitness is in their life as as an anchor for changing other areas right so like every time i look back at where i've excelled as a as a human being it's had something to do with you know the transformation that i experienced through health and fitness and uh, i just think that it's, it's it's good work that you're doing you know and, and i see the level of coaching as well from afar obviously we've been connected on social media a while now mm -hmm. and um just doing an epic fucking job of what you're doing so, thank, yeah. you. thank you for sure how long have you been in the uh, health and fitness industry uh nearly 12 years now nearly 12 years that's mm -hmm. a long time because uh, i remember we were talking on uh, instagram the other day and mm -hmm. um i wasn't aware like obviously the reason i asked the question how long have you been in the industry are you you've literally gone to the other end of the world and back in this industry right so totally. like you started listing all this different stuff like all this like begun competing like 2008 and you're doing that for a while and you got into like fitness modeling and you've graced the stages of wbff and done all this stuff become a sponsored athlete like that's crazy so you know prior to all of that you know because obviously you're passionate about health and fitness i think anyone can see that you are and and if they were to even just look at those things that you've done and those achievements that you've had, you could see it, you know, you're, you're, you're definitely passionate about it. But what I want to know is where did, where do you think all that came from? So if you had to go back, um, you know, what was yeah. life like for you growing up and how did you actually get introduced to a, a fitness based lifestyle? Yeah. Growing up for me, um, I kind of struggled. I'm five feet tall. So um, I always kind of felt like a misfit in terms of athletics, right? I probably would have been a good soccer player if I hadn't been made fun of on the field at five years old um, and just decided, you know what, I'm out. Fuck this. Um, and I found my way to gymnastics and the dance studio. So I learned discipline very young and that was my home. That's where I, you know, I grew up in the dance studio with gymnastics. And I felt like it, it was a place where I could accept myself and focus and again, learn that discipline, the consistency of practice and seeing it pay off. Um, but then when I got to high school, I kind of up-leveled and outgrew the, you know, the, way, the way that I was competing in fitness and in the gymnastics world and with the dance world. And I was like, what do I do now? I don't know team sports. I can't try out for anything, but I knew that I wanted to be active. So I used to take step classes actually with my friend's moms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Jane Fonda style, because yeah. it was dancey. And I was like, I don't know anything else. I guess I'll do this. I don't know the weights. But I always, I always craved that level of um, activity because it felt good to me, right? And that's always what I want to lead women back to is just what feels good to you, what feels aligned to your soul. Like that's how you honor and love your body. It's more than fucking bubble baths and tea, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's honoring your body, but like getting past into the action part of what feels good. So anyway, yeah, growing up, I was always active. Uh, come college, I gained a bunch of weight. Then I, my dad had an angioplasty, which if you're not, if someone's not familiar with what that is, it's, there's usually a blockage in an artery and they put a stent in, which is a spring. And it basically expands the artery to move the blockage through because otherwise if you don't move the blockage through, then you can have a heart attack and die. So he had that at a pretty young age and I thought, okay, well, I don't wanna be that age trying to figure out what to eat and how to take care of my body. So I'm gonna get it right now. And of course being type A took that to the extreme and in the process developed some pretty severe disordered eating. And um, 
So I really, I really have tried everything on my body, right? You can, you can hate yourself into being a certain way, or you can love yourself into being a certain way. And I can tell you from experience that loving yourself, the, the response that your body has is like tenfold and mentally mm. too. Mm. Yeah. You, you mentioned about playing soccer when you were young, what age, yeah. five years old, five years yeah. old. So what I just got, I just got to ask, what was the, uh, what was the comments or the, the, the bullying or, or what, and yeah. how did you like, did you, did, did your parents get you out of it? Or was you literally like five year old, like, fuck this, I'm gone. <laughs> no, I was like, I think I did one game and I was like, bye. This is like, <laughs> it was the boys teasing me. They're probably flirting to be honest, looking back. Cause that's what boys do. They like push you and trip you and they actually like you which is yep. very confusing, I must say, but um, <laughs> like, guys, just, can't you just give a girl a little kiss on the cheek? Like, why do you have to like beat up on me? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, they were, they were calling me shrimp. You're too short to make a goal. And I just felt like it highlighted something I was already insecure about, which was being fun size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So is this skip one, two, skip of you? You mentioned that uh, you like put on a bunch of weight, but you grazed over that. And um, something that we always like to do on this show is to dive into those moments, like really specifically, mm -hmm. because there's, there's like a range of people that listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like this is why I feel like those questions, the question around the specific kind of like catalyst that made you start putting weight on or losing a ton of weight, like those things are really important to unpack. So why did what why did you go from that to putting on a bunch of weight like what happened for you to do that yeah so it was the, a huge lifestyle change for me i grew up in a really small town in new jersey where everybody knew everything about you so i had this like can't wait to get out of this town and feel free kind of a feeling um where i could not be monitored every second by my parents and so that led to a lot of partying just a lot of drinking, a lot of late night eating, total lifestyle change, like a 180. Uh, completely stopped going to the gym because I didn't have those step classes anymore. And I really didn't know who I was without that. Like, I didn't know who am I without gymnastics and like this schedule where I just showed up and did my thing and that was it. I didn't know how to like do that at, at a college gym and have a schedule. I just didn't know where to begin. I was unfamiliar with the weight room. It was overwhelming. I felt kind of lost there. So I had no schedule. So I was just basically eating, drinking and sedentary and stressed out, not sleeping, you know, the late nights up all night partying. So I gained probably, I don't know, 30 pounds, 20, 30 pounds, which is a lot. I'm five foot. So I went from like a size double zero to about a size eight in like a year. And it was uncomfortable. I felt very uncomfortable in my own body. And so thus the negative talk track that had never, I mean, everyone has their talk track, right? But it didn't exist for me prior to that. Like with my body, at least, I just always was fit. I was always like petite and curvy and athletic and I never had to worry about it. So I this was unknown territory for me. And the way I dealt with it was just by a lot of self-hatred because my inner perfectionist was just screaming to come out and beat myself up about all the ways I wasn't good enough and all the, the places that I was a disappointment, which was a perpetual core wound of mine anyway, to begin with. Mm. Right? So this where, did was, that, where, did, where did that come from? Yeah, I've, I've identified that as like dad voice. That was my, that was, um, you know, they, both my parents grew up uh, not in very wealthy homes. My mom sewed her own clothes, um, grew up in a divorced family where that was very uncommon. Um, I had to grow up kind of quick with a lot of responsibility. My dad was one of five kids. His dad worked two, three jobs, barely making ends meet, wallpapers peeling off the walls. He's eating watermelon out of a dumpster. Um, I mean, they had food, but it was, you know, so they, they came from this, whatever you put into something is what you'll get out of it. So, yeah. but, it, but in that also comes a little bit of some self-punishment because it's like, well, how far are you willing to go? And if you're a perfectionist, enough is never good enough anyway. So his want and desire, both of their wants and desires for me to have a better life than they had, it always came from a place of love, but the message I received and the lens in which I interpreted it through was that it's not good enough still. I need to work harder. 
I need to be better and it's not good enough and it'll never be good enough and I will outwork everybody. Mm. But it took the pendulum swung the other way. That makes a lot of sense. That's a, that's powerful. It makes a, a huge amount of sense. I feel like I'm connecting the dots uh, more deeply now to your story and like navigating. This is what I love about this because we get to like navigate through your story you know? mm-hmm. kind of like pick everything together. It's like a puzzle and putting it all together. Yeah. So w- when did you have kids? Was that so, later down the line after competing was, and after fitness or? It was like right in the middle. So after competing about five years, I had a miscarriage. My progesterone was too low. And I really think it was because I was way overtraining. I'm talking four hours a day. I was working out and um, way too low on carbs. Like my last um, fitness show, the spray tan started to metabolize on the surface of my body. Like wow. I looked like a faux finish wall. Wow. It was literally eating the tan. That's how deprived I was. Jesus. Yeah. Because I was who like, prep, why is this, what's wrong with this tan? <laughs> did you get prepped or did you do the prep yourself? No, I got prepped. Fuck. Who, no, maybe you don't want to name the coach. <laughs> well, I'm not that. The problem is I was willing Put to do Put him on any- fire. <laughs> well, this is where I learned the power of knowing myself instead of giving my power away to somebody else and saying, you know me better than I know me. No. Yeah. I know me better than anybody can ever know me but I had to like go through that experience to claim my power there because I gave it all away. And the result was fucked up hormones, a body that was holding on to weight. And it was just, my body was just so stressed out. It just needed love. When I think about that, because obviously I've competed, I competed once and I think about, you know, bodybuilders and fuck man, kudos, you know, for putting yourself through it and, it's hard and, it, and there's so many benefits, you know, mindset wise and resilience and so many good benefits, but also like some people that have got, gone like competed time and time and time again, you've really pushing your body beyond, and your mind beyond comprehensible levels, you yeah. know, for people that haven't competed, they, they won't quite understand what I mean by that. It, it kind of wouldn't have any substance to it. Right. It's just a word that I've used comprehensible, but honestly, that's what it's like, right? It's pushing yourself fucking to the brink. And um, when I think about it, it's kind of, I mean, we had this brief chat the other day. It's kind of fucking silly when you think about it for what, you know, for, for a tro- for a trophy or for the feeling of just getting on stage and, and, and do it like what well, I've never quite understood that. And that's probably why I never competed again, but what made you continue to compete? What made you continue to put yourself through, what is obviously quite hellish <laughs> for a lot of people to experience. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to keep the story alive that I wasn't good enough. So, you know, and I got to keep giving my power away. Who's judging? Who's the judger? Oh, you can be the judger. You can tell me how to train my body. You can know me better than I know me. You can tell me what my worth is. You can tell me if you think I'm a winner. You can tell me if I'm good enough. I never was good enough because that was the story I wanted to tell myself. And that's why I kept doing it. And that's why I sought out more control, more rules. Let me up it. I'm still not doing it good enough, right? I got to work out more. I need to remove more carbs. I need to, I mean, there's a point in time where I was scared of bananas. And one time I ordered uh oatmeal at a restaurant. I was working a trade show in Vegas and uh, they had, they came out with the tray and the creamer for the coffee had spilled onto the oatmeal by accident because the tray got bumped, but I didn't know that. I started crying. I was like, I can't have this. I can't have milk, sugar, it's lactose. And I was like, holy shit, I need to get a grip. I'm crying over spilled milk, literally. Literally. I was like, oh no, no, we didn't make it with milk. It like spilled on the train. I was like, I need, this is, that was a reality check for me. I was like, okay, when is enough enough? And the answer was never. And then I was like, okay, I need to reevaluate here. Yeah. Do you still, do you still uh, live with that perfectionism in you? Have you, have you rid yourself of it? Do you still get it, it kind of pop up and, and surface in your life or what? I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm a one on the Enneagram. Uh, 
you know, but what I have learned is that there is power in surrender and flow, a place that I never existed before, because I would always act from a very masculine energy of like, oh yeah, well, I'll make it work. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll outwork that person and I will do it to the point that I will self-abandon and self-betray. Like, but I didn't know I was doing that. I did it from a place like outside of myself because I was measuring my worth based on everything out there. But the minute I pulled it all in and claimed my power, I didn't really give a fuck what I was doing because it was only, it only got to be from a place of my own enoughness. And so I stopped seeking rules. I stopped seeking the perfectionism because that was always me looking to dad saying, did I do it good enough? Do I have your approval? Did I earn your love? Can I keep it? Right. And the minute I cut that off, codependency of seeking that and I was able to just let go and how free, how free. And now people that come from this perfectionist mindset, they say, I mean, I have clients that come to me and they're, they're seeking fitness program. They're seeking rules. It's really what they're seeking. They don't trust themselves to know themselves. And they don't, they, they think they need more control when in fact they need to let go. And that's scary to tell a perfectionist. You need to let go and trust. Oh, I don't know those words. <laughs> but do you still battle with it today? Do you think you'll still always have an essence of a, a battle with your own perfectionism? Or do you think there will be one day you will totally get rid? I don't know that I'll totally get rid of, but I'm committed to the healing journey and the inner work that it requires because I know the piece on the other side. Mm. And this, this popped up in my divorce too. You know, my ex-husband said, well, do you think you've given the relationship everything you have? And I was like, whoa. You can't ask me that because what's flaring up here is my wounding around. It'll never be enough. What do I have to do though? How much abandonment of myself do I have to do here? Cause I'd be willing to die on the sword. When did you, yeah. when, cause you what I love about you as not just a guest, but as a person is, uh, and it's becoming more and more clear for me now, um, is how like honest you are with yourself and honest meaning you were able to you had to be super honest with yourself to own your story you know because that's ultimately where i think all the changes occur after that is when we take ownership of our story and like you said earlier you were holding on to it you know it kept the story alive you know you feeding into that kept the story alive and it was easier it always seems easier but it's actually the hardest thing right it seems easier at the time to hold on to the story but we know once we're through the other side and we've written a new chapter that it was actually the hardest thing to do the hardest thing was to hold on to that fucking story mm -hmm. and you don't realize you're holding on to it until you start to see the cycles and the loops repeat themselves and you sit there and you go why am I attracting the same relationships over and over why can't I ever seem to get past this what is this type of person always show up in my life and then when you see those repeat patterns you're in a you're in a loop you're you're stuck you're that's your soul's calling to level the fuck up it's time to break out of that pattern and call in or maybe you have called in the change to reevaluate what is this pattern that i am actually choosing whether it's conscious or not you always have a choice so level of awareness it's a level it's a it's a shift completely and a shift that i feel a lot of people just will never go through you know it's sad to say that but there's a lot of people that exist that will go their entire life they'll go their entire life stuck in a story in a right bullshit story they'll go to the end of their days they take their last breath and that's sad to think that you know but it takes a level of awareness yeah. it takes something to shift I mean, for most people, it's normally like a rock bottom moment, right? Where you have those realizations yeah. where you go, oh, shit, like I need to change something. We have those moments. And um, it sounds to me like that's what happened to you. But was it a series of them where you'd had those realizations? Yeah, it's been a, a, a constant unfolding. You know, you just you hit those walls. And you're like, this is not working. I want more. Mm. I know there's more. What's beyond this wall? And I'm going to fucking break through it. You know, mm. and it does come masked in pain and hardship, but it's ultimately always a gift. But you get to choose. Am I just going to stand and stare at the wall or am I going to break through it? Because otherwise I don't really want it. 
Do you know what I think people are afraid of? Mm. I think people I think people are afraid of doing the work. I honestly do. Like I you know, it's actually the blood, the sweat, and the tears that I think people are genuinely afraid of. Like that's that's why I personally didn't take hold or ownership of my story for so long. Because I knew, yeah, that it took a required amount of effort and energy and focus and time, yeah to change my situation. I knew it wasn't a simple case of just telling myself a different story or just waking up every day with positive intentions. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a level of fucking work that you got to do when you decide to change. Yeah. I think there's fear of the unknown too. And that paralyzes people because if you don't have your story, then who am I? I'm lost is what they think. And then they get confused and they, they might start to take steps in the direction of that. And then it feels too scary and unknown. So they go back to the familiar, even if it fucking sucks, even if it feels bad because it's what they know. But that's always like our survival pattern that pulls us back into the loop. Mm. The irony of that. Yeah, so it's like when you catch yourself in those moments, it's like, wait a minute, do I, I can see the cycle. Do I want this? Because I know where it's going. The minute you could start like predicting some of that, like choose to step out of that and have a pattern interrupt and level up. It's time to mm. change. Mm. So going back to um, the, the kids, right? Going back to children, I wanted to bring this up because we had a, a podcast with Stuart Armstrong a little while back. He is the CEO and founder of, uh, of a federation here, a bodybuilding muscle fitness federation in the UK called Pure Elite. And when he came on, we spoke briefly about like having kids, you know, Perry's got a kid, but it's in the form of a dog instead of a child. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a kid, but it's imagine Chewbacca, but it, yeah, it's like hairy. It's a child dog. Basically. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Uh, Amara is definitely a child dog. And <laughs> like we were talking about, you know, children and, and being a, a parent and all that wonderful stuff. And, Kids are just magical, you know. I really think that they're just magical. And and I watch my daughter, and she navigates her life through these little stories. She'll like make these little stories up, and her whole day is just made up of these just small stories and scenarios that she wants to live out and play. And it's just a different lens, you know. Nothing is bad to a kid. Nothing nothing is like terrible to a kid. Like my daughter right now, like I was saying before we hit live, like she understands what coronavirus is because we've had kind of like a a conversation about it kind of explaining and plus the school give you these packs i don't know if you've got these homeschooling packs but these homeschooling packs where i shit you not it's got each page it explains with a cartoon like what is going on in the world right now with the coronavirus and you get any and you get to That's like cool. to turn the page wow. yeah it's really cool it's actually really dope that they've done that because i thought school and education system was a pile of shit but they're actually <laughs> they're changing my <laughs> they're changing my worldview man um but no it was really cool like that look at this I, I'm, obviously because this is a podcast you guys aren't be able to see this but i want to i want to show look at this how cool is this by the way this is paper that i'm holding up now look at this a, a look into like a story about a story. coronavirus yeah and then each page that you turn it's got like these people and it tells you like what they're doing and what symptoms they'll have mm. it tells you like why you can't go to the shops why you can't stand near people like it's really cool anyway um before i end up just talking shit about that <laughs> the point of this this piece of the conversation is i feel like kids just ha look for a different lens and i also feel like when we become a parent we do so how did having kids change your worldview and how you see your, mm. yourself and the world and everything i started leading with a lot more compassion because i realized my parents are humans and like that they never had the answers because I sure as shit don't. Mm -hmm. But I can only do the best I can do in that given day. And sometimes that's like a lot of iPad and sometimes it's not, right? But like my biggest thing is I just want to, I want to empower them. And so I'll ask them questions, um, you know, like instead of how was your day and what did you learn? Um, how does your heart feel? Are you happy? How do you feel right now? And then I'll ask them again, like five minutes later. Because the first response is usually like, I'm happy. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel now? 
I don't know, I'm a little sad. I miss dad, you know, because we're divorced, two households. And then it comes out like, oh, I wish we were together as a family or like there's other things, right? So those are things that they get to honor. And I just want them to know like it's always here first. It doesn't really matter what I say. Like my daughter will be like, no one said my dress is pretty. She's four. I said, well, do you think your dress is pretty? Yeah, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. that's what i say same thing like my daughter goes out sometimes wearing a, a super a superhero outfit just because she wants to <laughs> you know she's like daddy i'm gonna put my wonder woman costume on i'm like why and she's like because i'm going outside to ride my bike and i'm like yeah <laughs> fuck yeah you are fuck yeah you are you know it's like it's awesome because she, but she says the same thing sometimes she'll say you know for example like someone said at school um that her you know that her that this wasn't good or whatever and mm-hmm. i'll just i'll just tell her like how was it for you though as long as you like it as long as you like how you look and as long as you know like that's what's absolutely important and i think that because i've said that so much i honestly feel where because i've said it so much that she's like awesome and that she's capable and that she's fucking brilliant and epic and all of these things i think like i'm just reinforcing that for her to hold on to and believe at a young age you know Mm. so like i don't want there to be any shred of doubt that she is the most phenomenal motherfucker on the planet you know totally yeah i've also been um conscious to i just don't want there to be a measure of of worth or good or bad like just the trying to just undo some of the labels you know, based on performance, you know, because I think so many people identify themselves by what they do. Oh, I'm a this. No, you're just a soul in a body. Like I'm not my body, right? That took me a long time to realize, especially because I spent so much time focusing on my body, right? My body got me attention from men. My body was on covers of magazines. My body was objectified. My body was the focus of aesthetics in training it was my motivation but if that's where you hold your value you're gonna feel pretty empty i'm not my body exactly yeah you are not your body the same way you are not your thoughts and they're saying in the in the book that i'm reading um the untethered soul going for it twice now and um and he, he said to a woman like who are you and she goes you know i'm she said her name and he goes so he writes her name down he goes are you trying to tell me right now you're just a bunch of letters she goes oh no and he goes, and if you say you are your body, when you were five years old, you looked at yourself in the mirror, that body is different to the body that you are now. So that has shifted. Therefore, you are not your body, you know? Mm-hmm. But I just want to quickly say, you said something um, early on, how you asked, um, I think you said it was your daughter, a question. Mm-hmm. And all of my life, I didn't understand the true meaning and value of this question. And that is, are you happy, right? Because, and I actually, funny enough, I actually learned this from my ex. I'm, I was in um, my, one of my rooms and I had up on his whiteboard like a PeriPower 2.0, right? You know how we always say we should have this ideology of this future self that we want to become and who we want to be and step into the shoes of that person. I had a list of all these attributes in the way that this person was and I was reading them out. And then she goes, do you mind if I just grab your pen? I said, sure. And she wrote something down. She goes, and I looked at it and then she's like, and what she wrote down was, I am happy. I was like, you know what? If I wasn't happy, everything else is irrelevant. Everything on that board is irrelevant if I'm not happy. If I am happy, truly happy from my heart, from my blood, from my molecules, from every ounce of me, if I'm truly happy from my spirit, then everything else will fall into place because I'm centered in a sense of happiness and a sense of self. And I think that that is such a beautiful question. Even everybody listening, ask yourself that right now. Ask yourself that every single day. Are you happy? Because if the answer is no, that's when you should be doing something about it. And the, 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 yeah, but the harsh reality is, and again, I'm not trying to put a downer on humankind or anything. You know, you know my thoughts. <laughs> but man, the fucking honest truth is, no, people are not happy. Yeah, but you hey, look the at majority of people are. Yeah, the majority of people mm-hmm. are not happy. The mm-hmm. majority of people walk around life unhappy. Yeah. The beauty of of childhood is the innocence, the wonderment, the curiosity, the open heartedness. It's very simple to be happy as a child because they're, they have less that they're identifying and attaching to yeah. the story that they are identifying with, right? Ain't not the truth. And they become all-encompassing within whatever emotion they're experiencing. Yeah, and, and the, 
messed up thing is they don't even know that what those emotions are when you think about that they're living in the it's moment though, yeah right? yeah they're not thinking about the about about what what could be happening in in, in an hour's time or anything they're, they're living in the moment because at that age that's what bloody exists right in front of them is in the moment until the next moment comes, but they're already in that moment because they're riding the wave of the constant moments, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Yeah. The closest, the closest thing we have to it as adults is the coronavirus. You know, it's interesting. This has been a perspective shift for me because on my walks, there's this one part of my walk where I've kind of been wandering around. I found this little creek, but there's no sidewalk. And so I found myself playing on the curb to see if I could stay on it like a balance beam. Yeah, yeah. And it brought me back to being on a balance beam as a gymnast. And I was just kind of like in my world doing this thing. And I was like, I, I look like a fool. Like I'm just dancing and music. I've got, you know, and I'm like staying on my balance beam and playing, dodging like a branch that almost hit my head. And I thought, this is what I need in my life more. And this is what I want to continue. Play, I just want to play, mm. I want to have fun. I want to invite being a child yeah. play. Yeah. That's I want to invite that back into my life. Mm. This is an opportunity for a lot of people to do that. Yeah. You know. Like what would you do if you had no fear, no doubts, right? Because again, childhood they they're just out on the beach in a bathing suit. They don't think about are my thighs fat? How do I look in this? What does so and so think of me? Who fucking cares? live life yeah that's 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 a beautiful point i um i'm referring back to the book again because there was a beautiful have you read the book kerry i've heard of it and it's brought up and it's been brought up enough that i definitely whatever anyone has said anything about it i'm like god that really sounds so aligned to like a message and a, and a book that i really want to read so i'm going to order it as soon as we get off the podcast a hundred percent it's a game changer and there's a part of the book right and he talks about death right and it's a whole chapter whole chapter of the book talking about death now i i am huge on death because all of my life and it's still is a big part of me is absolutely shit scared of death right because any way that i can even think about death is playing grandpa photo on the playstation and when you die you respawn but in real life you don't respawn and that is just hard for me to actually understand that but anyway and he, he's got a chapter of, of um called death and he's like People live their day to days and their weeks to weeks as if they're coming back, right? And it's like, you go, let's just play out a scene right now where death comes and knocks on your door and says to you, right, it's time. And he goes, now that person would be like, well, hold on a second. No, 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 you're meant to give me a warning. You're meant to give me a week. Give me a week so I can go and now do the things and spend time with my family and go and do the things on my bucket list so I can make sure that this last week that I have is actually really meaningful. And then death says to him, well, hold on a second. I've just given you 52 weeks. You've had this whole year. And you didn't do anything with those 52 weeks. What makes you think that now this last week you should be doing everything because you're about to die? Every single week should be like that, in essence. And when I saw that, I was like, shit, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth right now? That if that we, we are just living day to day, week to week. And it's a huge generalization by saying we as everyone. But it, it's basically the overriding factor is that we should be spending more of our times, again, being present in the moment and doing the things that we truly want to do because we only have one time on this earth. Mm. Right. Well, this adversity that we are faced with right now, it is teaching people a lot, you know, and we've had, we've, we had that conversation before we, before we came on and, and press live. And, I, and like I said before that was, this is the first global adversity of our generation, you know? Um, so whilst we're on that subject, Kerry, mm -hmm. Because obviously this is an adversity, like I said, that is affecting everybody on the planet, right? But what's the biggest adversity that you've faced personally, professionally? Like, what, and what was the lesson that you could share from that? Because everyone's got one. Everyone's got some kind of David and Goliath where we've battled something much bigger than us, but we've come through the other side. You know, there have been a few, but... Um... Back before I was Elevate with Carrie, and I rebranded to just deepen and expand my brand um, because I realized it was never about the cake. It was never about what people's pants size. It was about like self-worth or them not feeling good enough, right? Speaking to a previous version of myself, um, I was, I had 
created a company called Ignite Girls Fitness. And it was very much in like tough love coaching, black and white, no plan B, here's your meal plan, here's your, here's your workout programming. Um, and I had been way, way over delivering and undervaluing myself. Why? I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel enough. I was giving away all sorts of custom stuff, you know, monthly for like $75 a month per client. Like I'm talking like one-to-one -one coaching, custom, everything. And I had to go back to a corporate job because I couldn't make a living off that. I mean, no wonder. It was very humbling. I did not want to go back to corporate world. Um, my degree is actually in advertising design um, and graphic design. And so I was doing marketing, but in, in doing the marketing, I found my way to coaching. Right. And I just, I kept feeling this like whisper this, but it was, a, it got louder and soon it was shouting in this like strong pull. And I just thought, you know what, I, I need to, I need to overcome whatever I'm blocking myself from here. And I realized it was just me. That was the issue. I could point my finger all day. Um, but that was pretty humbling for me to actually ask for support and hire a business coach. Realize I didn't have the answers and I didn't masochistically have to swim up either to pay my dues to earn it. Right. You still have to work hard, but, um, I've already proven that I'm willing to do that and I could do anything, but again, to a point of self detriment. So calling in support was a huge humbling moment for me. Um, and it accelerated my growth. I mean, exponentially, mentally, financially. I mean, I'm able to definitely self-sustain and surpass what I made at my corporate job with six figures now. And that for me was a huge, huge, um, it was a big deal. Mm. It's, it's uh, you know, I mean, coaching is definitely one of those things. It's strange how that come into your path, you know, like that type of coaching come into your path. So you, you do high ticket coaching now, right? With clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walk us through kind of what you deliver to them, but from the perspective of what you learn in your personal fit story. Mm. <clears throat> you know, um, we always go to the places that they kind of put an area rug over. So we get to lift up the corner of the rug and basically go through, you know, well, why is that? And where does that come from down to a root core level so that we can truly be free from it and release the story that we are so attached to, because that's what really keeps us stuck. And then we can take an action plan into going to the gym and doing the meal plan. Right. So it's really two phase. Uh, with my clients, we really focus on the first six to eight weeks, a lot of mindset and awareness breakthrough. And then the next six to eight weeks is a lot of like building, building the foundation and taking actionable, tangible steps in the direction of where they want to head. You can do both simultaneously. And I think that's confusing to people, especially if they're from the cloth of perfectionism, because we are, it's ingrained, like I need to have strict rules or I need to be super hungry or it needs to fucking suck for it to work. You can actually like wholly accept where you're at and love yourself perfectly while also taking action. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you, obviously I know that you do, but just for the basis of the podcast conversation, do you use your story in your marketing now? Um, and is that attracting people that, you know, women that have perfectionist syndrome and that, yeah, talk us through that. Yeah. I mean, I posted a picture a few weeks ago, of me standing up and my stomach looks flat, petite, you know, I'm like a hundred pounds. I've just, I do a lot more intuitive eating and intuitive training. Um, but then I posted a picture of me sitting down and sitting down, there's stretch marks. And I mean, it's like, it's all on the perspective. Like I could look at it like, oh, I'll never be back to what I was or back to what. Instead it was like, no, my body like expanded beyond what it could hold in terms of love, like what, what a gift. And guess what? Like I get to love these stretch marks because it's part of my story. Um, but I don't, I'm not attached to it as my story because if I'm not my body, it doesn't fucking matter anyway. How many people are actually thinking about their stretch marks right now with coronavirus? You guys are thinking about toilet paper and staying safe and healthy and getting out for a, a walk. I know what I, want, I, I know <laughs> yeah. what I want to ask you. I, I, this has just literally popped in my mind and I love a controversial topic, but you talk a lot about, um, you know, like, you know, loving your, loving yourself, uh, and you are not your body, but don't you think, cause I think some people take it too fucking far 
whereby they are overweight, they're clearly unhealthy, they're clearly divulging in really bad habits and bad behaviors and fucking terrible food. And, but yet they go, but it's okay because I love myself. Like, where do you think that line needs to be drawn for those people that do that shit? Or do you think there's, like that's cool? If they want to love themselves, love themselves. Uh, you come from a place of gratitude of, I, I am so lucky to have this vessel that I can push and challenge and have lungs that breathe and a heart that beats. And what a blessing. I have a choice to even fucking show up at the gym for myself. Why are you not going to the gym though? If you come from that gratitude attitude where you have the choice and where are you seeking love outside yourself in a place that feels empty in the turn in the experience of food and emotional eating? Cause you don't get heavy by eating a normal caloric thing or by listening to your body. That's not, you're not, you're tuning out instead of tuning in. So there's numbing out going on there and you're seeking something external in the form of food. Mm, so that uh, there is a place within you that is actually not loving. I, I, I guess, Kerry, with that answer as well, that heavily comes into the first part of your coaching experience. Like when I had the Fit Parent Movement, I think it's very similar to how you take your clients through your coaching is that, if somebody comes to me and they're extremely overweight and you know, they, they've signed up with me and what they want from the get-go, which you can't blame them for thinking this way because this is how the fitness industry is. As soon as they sign up with you, they're expecting from the get-go a nutrition plan, a workout plan, start getting crack on, cracking on with that because obviously that's going to be the answer to them losing weight. Whereas if somebody is overeating or somebody is binge eating, whatever it is, that is a root. That is a problem that is rooted somewhere into their story and they need to follow that route to find out where that route links to that could be from when they were bullied that could be for, for me from experience um talk to a lot of people especially now they dm me um i find it extremely common and it isn't just to this but it's just an example to people who have been sexually abused when they were younger okay and it because they haven't handled that story later on in life that has now spilled over into eating to filling a void that they haven't filled themselves internally right mm -hmm. yeah and also too um uh, a lot of people that i talked to the message that they received was love equals food in the form of that's how their parents grew up and that's what their parents show them so they feel guilty turning away food and they feel obligated to eat in social situations because of it because the food holds such emotional currency for them in the form of love, they feel guilty turning away love from mom, or they feel guilty not loving themselves in a certain thing. They're really looking for love. So I would ask that person, like, I think it's amazing that you are confident in your body and you should be no matter what shape or size or weight that you are. But where in you do you need more love? Where do you think they're aware of this? Do you think they're aware? Or do you think, no? no? Not always. Sometimes on a, I'd say 70% of the time I'm on a call with somebody and I'm just leading them back to awareness. Again, we're going back to the, we're lifting the corner of the area rug. They know the answer deeply, but they want to go back there and re-experience that. Not necessarily, but that's exactly where you need to go to get through the cave, <laughs> to get through yeah. to the light and allow more love and expansion in, but it's a choice, right? I can lead them to the cave, but whether they choose to walk through it or not on the other side of like light and love. Right. Um, and I mean that in like the deepest of ways, like truly to love themselves wholly and to be willing to face themselves and their, their stories. That's their choice. Yeah. Mm. It's all a choice. Yo guys, I could honestly sit here and talk to you for probably another two or three hours, Kerry. You are a, an, an epic human being, beautiful human being, and we appreciate your time. Um, any last words that any of you guys have before we wrap this up? Um, <clears throat> to the people listening, however you feel right now, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Touche. I think that's an important message to take home. Mm-hmm for sure yo we've got we've got to thank jake kaufman because this motherfucker is like the super connector like i said before he is the santa claus of guests he really is 
um <laughs> honestly he's hooked us up with so many really beautiful human beings yeah yeah he really is a g uh but that is it fits three fam we are out be safe out there Thanks for joining us for another episode of Fit Story TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. Yo, if you got value from this episode, all we ask is that you tell a friend. See you next time.